thank you, Pastor Mike and Julie and Transformation Church <clears throat> for allowing me to be here today. And um, the music was just absolutely what I needed to hear today. It really was. It just ministered to my soul in a, in a, in a way I needed today. Thank you so much for that. And I have to say that Pastor Mike and Julie are the most pro-life people. I travel all over pro-life people I've ever really met. And it's, 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 it's blood bone deep when you see what they live for. They, they know the Lord's word on it and they take it to heart. So just wanted to say thank you so much for that opportunity. Um, I am... Um, I've, this year I have been doing this for 20 years, and so it has been um, just such an eye-opening experience with the Lord because I don't know how to do anything I do. <laughs> uh, when I was a young girl, I stood up before um, my peers in school. I've had to do a book report. My hair was long, and I would twist it in knots because I did not like to speak in front of people. So never doubt that your calling will pro probably be far out from where you're comfortable. So uh, I'm thankful that God allows me to, uh, to, to do what he calls me to do because I do not have any ability to do that. Uh, so he gets all the glory for it. And um, so what I want to talk about today, um, first of all, I just want to thank the Lord for giving us life and uh, for saving us by the blood of Jesus and for calling us his children. And he is our father and we are his children. That is what we are. And so, first of all, I want to start with what I'm going to say to those who have been touched by abortion in any form or fashion. Uh, God is, hey, his forgiveness is as far as the east is from the west, and his love is high as the heavens are above the earth. And so, uh, he just is willing and, hey, standing on the edge of your just like turning your heart to him to receive that salvation. So if you know him, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So I preface everything I say with that because it's, it's a hard truth that we're going to be talking about today, but it's something that we cannot close our eyes to. Uh, years ago, I was speaking at a church over in Dawsonville, and uh, the Lord was just showing me um, the, uh, a fresh way to to see David and Goliath. You know, we've all studied that if we're believers for a lifetime. And um, so uh, in the Sunday school class I was in, Jen and uh, Marianne, y'all know, combo class, they taught me. <laughs> and so we were studying David and Goliath. And, you know, David, he did not have a sword. Or he, had, he had the Lord. And he had the stones that the Lord told him to pick up, and he went toward that giant. And then when but he said he was going to take that, he was going to take that giant down. He was going to cut his head off. So he had the vision that God gave him. And so when it was all over, the the giant was dead, and with the very, uh, you know, and, and David had the very sword that he was threatened with, and he had chopped Goliath's head off. And as my grandsons loved, he walked through town with the head. You know, my granddaughter doesn't like that too much. My grandsons love that. And uh, he said. Um, you know, the Lord spoke to my heart in that, and he said, that's the way it's supposed to work. Everything that the enemy threatens to take us down with, we're to take that sword up, and we are to walk in the name of the Lord, and we are to plow his field. So if you have been touched by abortion, you pick that sword up, and you let the Lord forgive and heal 
and you plow that field. You take the the God of peace will crush him under your feet. So you step forward in that. Um, I want to speak to some statistics because I think we kind of have to know what's going on before we really know why it's important to do what we do. <clears throat> so, uh, since 1973, as Pastor Mike has said, more than 64 million innocent lives have been lost to abortion in the United States. Uh, this year alone, 862,320 babies have been, uh, their lives have been taken in this country by abortion. So almost a million lives this year. As Roe versus Wade has been turned over, which is really just hard for us to fathom, isn't it? I remember where I was when I found out Roe versus Wade had been turned over. My sweet mother-in-law that has gone to be with the Lord, I was in the hospital with her because she'd had a heart attack. And I woke up that morning and I was on the news because it played all night. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I was so excited. I bet you could hear me all over the hospital. <clears throat> that, my, uh, that the Lord had given us that grace and ability to see the truth. And so my heart was eager to see what would happen there. But as a, as a result, we have not seen what we thought we would see. <clears throat> I am not sick. I don't know why my, all of a sudden I got hoarse. But um, anyway, in the state of Georgia since 2000, this is in our little bitty state, okay, more than, thank you, Pastor Mike, I appreciate that so much. Maybe that's what it is. Okay, <clears throat> that's better, thank you. In the state of Georgia since the, uh, the year 2000, more than uh, 649,263. Now, you'll notice that I'm giving you numbers that are not round numbers because the three out of that 649,263, those three count too. They do. We do not need to leave one out, not one. These precious innocent lives have been lost to abortion since 2000 in Georgia, nearly 650,000 babies. Um, in 2021, 34,988 uh, innocent children in Georgia lost their God-ordained right to life. That's an increase of 3,740 over the previous year. Now, this is since Roe versus Wade has been overturned. In 2022, 35,401 innocent children lost their lives. That's an increase of 413 over the previous year. Um, in 2021, 337 abortions were from Hall County area. 337. Um, these numbers, I think, are really hard to put our mind around. I, I challenge you, uh, there's some places on uh, the website that you can pull up, and I, I mean, I can't even remember how many states have, if you took the population of those states in, in comparison to these numbers, um, I would say not far from half the country has been aborted in numbers. It's, it's terrible what's going on, even now, as we say, you know, thank you, Lord, for overturning Roe versus Wade. Um, <clears throat> U.S. News and World Report uh, states that Georgia, since, um, since Roe versus Wade has been overturned, Georgia is now number seven in the highest abortions. Is that, is that crazy, our little state? I mean, we're in the South in the Bible Belt. What in the world are we thinking? <clears throat> According to the CDC, the percentage of abortions performed with chemical 
abortions rose from 9.6% to 43.7%. Okay, that is 2019. We now know there's probably more chemical abortions than there are surgical abortions. These numbers that I'm giving you do not take into account the chemical abortions at all. So these numbers are not anywhere near really what they are. Um, I think it's important for us to know those numbers because I think if we don't realize how, even though I just said that the one counts, that's what the Lord says. He says he left the flock to go get the one, and that's what he expects us to do. But uh, these numbers are just shocking, I think. I have a hard time. Do, I do this every, you know, I volunteer with Georgia Watch Life every day uh, that, I, that they need me. But I have a hard time wrapping my mind around it. I really do. Um, we ha- as you can see, we have turned from a culture of life to a culture of death in this nation. And we have got to do what it takes to turn that around. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. Because God has called us to partner with him in that. Um, I want to read what he says about that. Psalm 82, verse 3 and 4. He says, Defend the cause of the weak and fatherless. Maintain the rights of the poor and the oppressed. Rescue the weak and needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. And then uh, in Proverbs, let's see, in Proverbs 31, 8 and 9, uh, he says for us to speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. For the rights of all who are destitute, speak up and judge fairly, defend the rights of the poor and the needy. And so he takes it serious uh, that we are to be about that. It is not an option. So, you know, we're going to talk a little bit in just a minute about what that looks like for us. Because, you know, not every one of us, I remember when God called me to do that, do what I'm doing, I was I was very apathetic. I did not... Uh, did not connect with it at all, and God started this process, and he put it in a way that I could not miss, and this is what I was called to do, and I pray that he lets me do it all the days of my life, if that's what he wants me to do, but you know, not every one of us is called to do what I do, because everybody's got their own calling, thank the Lord we're not all the same, but we are all called to this, and we all have a sphere of influence that we can work in every day, because it's really a grassroots effort, one at a time, and uh, like I said, we're going to talk about that in just a minute. I want to I go uh, to this because I think it's really important. Um, I am not, I'm going to be honest with you. Now, Pastor Mike, he knows more about this than me because he has that, he has, uh, I've heard him speak over years of just being involved. His, his heart was politically involved. And so I don't know a thing about politics. So when I'm fixing to tell you this, this is the scariest part of the whole thing. <laughs> Because I really do not know much about politics. I feel overwhelmed even trying to think about it. But I can tell you this, that uh, we, uh, we need your help with two pieces of legislation that uh, are currently in the committee in the Georgia's, Georgia's legislature. And these are important things that you um, need to know. Because, first of all, the greatest thing we can do is pray. Because you know what? It is not by power nor by might, but by his spirit that hearts are changed. And this is a hard issue. So we have to pray because the Lord is the only one that can turn this curve. But I love his word. He says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, then I will hear from heaven. He's going to do what? That's it. 
So, hey, there we are. We have a checklist. He says, you know what? I know I was thinking about that this week. I said, Lord, what evil do I have in my heart? And he was just showing me sometimes I just get so apathetic or so busy. I don't consider that evil, but that is evil when I'm turning my mind away from what God would have me think on. And so I was just saying, Lord, show me those things that I can, you know, that I can, I'm apathetic in, you know, that I'm indifferent to or busy and you're calling me to be a part of. So these, these uh, pieces of legislation are so important for every little life. Uh, Georgia, we, we got where we are because years ago, I remember when I first started, we had no clauses. We were really, we were kicked out of national right to life because we would not put clauses in our legislation. How do you like that? Because we do not, we are not uh, kingmakers, we're standard bearers. And so... Uh, we told National Right to Life that we would not put these uh, exceptions for these babies in our laws, and so they didn't like it. <laughs> but uh, we do not, we believe that every life is valuable, no matter how that conception was. And only God is the author of life. And so everybody has a plan that God puts on this earth. So uh, our laws have gotten, have become so full of loopholes that really anybody can get an abortion anytime, even with a heartbeat bill, okay, because it, it has, you know, and, and I don't, I have many friends who have been raped, and I have friends who have uh, conceived from that, and I have heard their stories, and they say, you get up in there and you say it loud, that these babies do not need to be punished for the sins of their fathers. And these mamas that have chosen life are so very thankful. They did because they said that they saw it as a gift from God for their suffering. So, uh, and, and I honestly, less than 1%, it's like 0.5% are from rape and incest. Yet, that is such a big hole that you can drive, uh, you could drive a tractor and trailer through because you don't have to prove that you were raped or that incest commit was committed against you. In fact, a lot of people that do those terrible crimes against women take them and force them into an abortion. And so you don't have to prove any of that in order to have an abortion. You can go in and say you were raped, and you can have an abortion for any reason or no reason. Uh, there is nothing uh, guarding that. So, and I will tell you this, this is a sad thing too. We pass these laws, and there is nobody enforcing them, not one person. These places do exactly what they want to do when they want to do it. Planned Parenthood is a huge, huge menace. And uh, we have got to close those loopholes up. We do. We've got to close them, and we've also got to uh, enforce the laws that are on the books. Uh, the two pieces of legislation, to summarize them very quickly, is the Georgia Prenatal Equal Protection Act. That's House Bill 496. It's needed to establish protection from any lethal assault for every preborn person beginning at the stage of fertilization. Um, prenatal equal protection means that the same laws protecting people after they are born would protect people before they are born. So we're just saying a baby is a baby, a human is a human, no matter how small a person is. So what is it, Dr. Seuss? A person is a person, no matter how small. And we just believe that. <clears throat> and uh, that law uh, is also sometimes called the PEPA law 
or the PEPA Act. So we would love to put that in place. Uh, it's, it, it, it goes in and basically just says that we're going to protect the unborn like we protect the born. It also protects people at every stage of life. Um, because adding to that is an amendment that we want to uh, be placed on our Georgia Constitution. It's called the Personhood Amendment. So these two law, these two um, laws or uh, acts and uh, amendments are placed together to protect every life at every stage of life. Uh, the personhood amendment is called the uh, is House Resolution 413, and it seeks to add an amendment to the Georgia State Constitution, which would read: This state, good old Georgia, shall recognize the paramount right to life of all innocent human beings as persons at any stage of development from fertilization to natural death. A personhood amendment would guide laws to provide protection, equal justice, and equal rights for all innocent human life at any stage of development, level of dependency, physical and mental ability, medical prognosis, manner of conception, or contributions to society, age, or race. Uh, I don't know if you know it or not, but 10 states uh, and the District of Columbia have legalized assisted suicide in this country. So we are to protect life at every stage, every stage of development. Um, so I think that the important thing to look at, too, is to try to de determine, okay, what can I do today? What can I do today? And so, I, uh, these law, these um, these pieces of legislation uh, are going to go. We hopefully are going to go through and be passed. But that's only going to happen first of all as we pray, because our uh, there's a lot of other things that get put up before them down there, and if we're not careful, they'll just slide off into oblivion, and it'll never happen. So we have to pray. And second of all, you can call. You can email and you can visit your legislators. There is a, a Linda, thank you Linda for coming today and helping. Uh, in the back there is a, a form that you can actually like take a picture of and you can sign a petition online or you can sign it back there, either one, uh, that would help us because we're gonna present those to Brian, um, Governor Brian Kemp uh, to show him that we are, we're serious. And so uh, please uh, you know, call, email, um, there's also a sign-up form back there that you can put your email address on, and we will notify you when these things come to different stages where you can call and you can email and you can pray even harder. So if you would do that, um, stand for life. We have, as, as the state capital, its prior uh, name was March for Life, and uh, it's January the 26th, 2024, Georgia Stand for Life at the state capitol. It is a powerful uh, walk through downtown Atlanta uh, for a mile, a silent march. And it is, it is, I mean, you, the Holy Spirit, he absolutely comes down on the place. It's, it's amazing. Um, you can look more on Georgia Right to Life's website, grtl.org, to find out about that. You can educate others with what you've learned today. Uh, you can educate other people so that every, you know, we have little babies back there, little baby models. Please take those. Uh, I cannot tell you at the times God has given opportunity for those baby models to speak. And as you take them, and you can just say, you want to see what you look like before you were born? 
you don't even have to hit them in the head with an abortion <laughs> fact, okay? Just, I mean, we have young people, especially like children. Oh, my goodness. We spoke at a church, and the pastor sent me a card and said, well, I hope you know that you really impacted our children because he said this little girl, she was four years old. She came up to him at lunch after she saw him. They were eating out at lunch. He, she said, she came up, he said she came up to me and said, Pastor, you want to see what you looked like before you were born? <laughs> How many people are going to turn around a baby? Turn, I mean, turn off a turn off a, a four-year-old uh, talking to him about a baby, and volunteer and serve. Uh, Christ, uh, Choices Crisis Pregnancy Center, wonderful place to serve. Hall County Right to Life, we'd love for you to serve with us. So uh, those are the things that. Uh, that you can do, and like I said, above all, praying. There's nothing any greater than that. So, um, Lee and Mary are dear friends of mine, and uh, Lee's story is so powerful. He served with us at uh, at a group of young people that were doing an oratory contest, and I didn't know Lee's story. And so they came to me, some, some of the people in that room said, that man that was in that room, you need to hear his story. <laughs> And I said, okay. So we got together, and I got to hear his story, and it's such a powerful story. So what we're fixing to do is overcome the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and the word of his testimony. Good morning. Um, I appreciate Transformation Church giving us the opportunity to come this morning. Um, appreciate Pastor Mike, my dear friend, and Julie. It's good to see y'all. And appreciate Wanda Freeman, a sweet, sweet spirit. And you, you inspired me this morning. Thank you. As you always do. Um, I'm a little intimidated by Mr. Uh, green T-shirt over there. Um, but he doesn't have any legs, so I can run faster than he can. But that's kind of interesting. Uh, I wanted to start off with a verse, and Pastor Mike has already uh, beat me to it, but I'm going to put it before you again. And this verse goes for everybody in this room, and this verse goes to everybody in the world, which is pretty incredible when you think about it. But Psalm, uh, Psalms 139, 13 through 14, For you created my inmost being, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. We can all claim those verses. And what I want to do this morning is claim, claim it for my life. And I want to tell you a little story about a boy named, well, when he was born, he didn't have a name yet. But I want to go back in time to 1957. In March of 1957, sometime during that month, I was conceived. I was told later I was conceived in the back seat of a car on a date that my birth mother and birth father were on. Um, this was up around Cedartown, Georgia, over by Rome. And at that point in time... Um, there was no Roe versus Wade, but people were getting abor abortions, women were getting abortions, or they were choosing not to. Also, back then, I don't know if you remember, but there were schools 
for women or girls who were pregnant. And they went to school in a separate building until their child was born, then they came back in with everybody else. And it amazed me, when I was in ninth grade, they still had those schools. I thought they had, I never really knew what happened to them. But praise the Lord that my birth mother went to one of those schools and carried me full term. Um, and she put me up for adoption. And there I am. I was, I was a butterball, and I still have a tendency to become one. Um, I, I don't know where I was put. Uh, that's one little part of my life, I'm not sure. But for about five months, I was in either foster care or adopted home or something. And ironically, they named me Baby Michael, which I thought was pretty funny. My last name is McMichael. So let's, let's move down south a little bit to Valdosta in this same time period of 1957. Oh, I was born December 30th, 1957. Sorry about that. Um, my parents, um, Ray and Beatsy McMichael, they had adopted a little girl about two years prior, two and a half years prior, and they were wanting another child. So whatever agency they used connected them with me. They were in Valdosta. I was up near Rome. Um, they drove all the way up there to get me. They said they they said immediately they knew. And uh, they took me out of that hotel room and took me home. Mama said she kept me in her lap the entire drive back to Valdosta. There were no seatbelts back then, or no required seatbelts. Um, but in my home in Valdosta, Georgia, with these two wonderful people and my sister, we were taught about Jesus. I'm sure I was taken to church the first Sunday I could go. And I was about almost five months old when they adopted me. So I didn't know anybody else except them. And I always... I cannot remember the time they told me I was adopted. I, we did not have this Hollywood drama where, oh, the whole world fell apart. I just knew that uh, they had always told me I was adopted and how special I was. And yes, Pastor Mike, they, they chose me. Your mother was stuck with you. Right. Sorry about that. And I rub that in some people's faces when I tell them. Um, but I, I grew up always knew when I was adopted, and I had a wonderful life. But I want to tell you a little something about this picture here. Um, back then, I was told that the defects would try and match you as genetically close as they could with your adopted parents. Um, my daddy had um, brown hair. I used to have brown hair. Um, his hair would, was wavy. When mine gets longer, it gets wavy, a little curly. And this is the most incredible thing about God and how he places together. If you look real close, he had a gap right there. When my two front teeth came in, I had a gap. Can you, God just, that's incredible. I got mine fixed. He never did. Um, but that, that just always blew me away of that minute detail that God was thinking of. 
So I had a wonderful life. I, these two people were just incredible, and uh, I miss them every day because they're gone. But I still had questions. Who did I look like? Why was I put up for adoption? Th things like this. So when I was in college um, up at the University of Georgia, one day I went to Atlanta to the state defects office to see if I could find out some things about me. Well, because I was under 21, they wouldn't tell me everything. But what they did tell me were what they called identifying facts. They told me my birth father was six foot tall. At that time, I was six foot tall. They told me my birth father had brown hair. Well, like I said, my hair was brown. And they said he had wavy hair. Well, I knew where I got my brown and wavy hair from. Um, they didn't tell me much about the mother. But at that point in time, it was enough to kind of satisfy me a little bit. But I still, still had questions. So um, when uh, Zell Miller was governor of Georgia, Pastor Mike, do you know what those years were? <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to put you on the spot. It was, it was 1991 to 99. He was the governor. He instituted a, a, a position under his administration of a, a private investigator who would investigate adoption cases. And people had the opportunity to fill out a form and say, this is who, what I know about me. I would love to know more. So I did that. Well, I went for about a year, year and a half, and never heard a word back. And I thought, well, they have so many cases, I'm never going to hear anything. But I got a phone call one day. And the phone call said that my birth mother's father was still alive. And at that point in time when she had me, that his name was still on everything because she was underage too. And he did not want any information released. So I was kind of disappointed because I had a little roadblock then. I couldn't learn anything else. Well, another year or so went by, and in 1994 of, I think it was June of 1994, I got a phone call again and said the grandfather had died, and now it went back to the mother who did want to release information. So I got a name and a phone number and where she lived. Um, and just a little personal note, I was living in Albany, Georgia at the time, and the flood of the century came through about two weeks later. So it was a good month, maybe two months later before I could make contact with her. But just a little, little uh, side note there. But um, I had the name, the number. I was nervous. I was so nervous to call because I didn't know what, what she was going to be like. I didn't know how she was going to receive the phone call. So I did it. And found out that um, she still lived in Cedartown. Um, she had gotten married later on. She had two sons. And uh, it helped me put together a few more pieces of my life, of, of where I came from. But I still didn't know how it looked like. So um, in the middle of all that, Mary and I got married. And we were living still in Albany. But we uh, got an opportunity to move to New Orleans. So I said, Mary, before we go, let's go up to Cedartown, and I want to meet this woman. Well, we did. We went, and we met at a restaurant. Little did we know that she invited her entire family to the restaurant that day. So I was kind of, there's a big spotlight on me. Um, this little 
uh, nerve-wracking, but um, we did it. I also met my two half-brothers. I resemble one of them a little bit, I think, from about here down, um, or maybe here up, I forget, um, and met her. I, I really did not look like her at all, um, but we talked, and we had a few common interests. And you know what? That, that, that's what I wanted. That's I just wanted to know some more pieces about me. But let me tell you, um, after meeting her, it, it did nothing but reinforce the love I had for these two people right here. Because I saw when I met her that I could have turned out totally different. And I would have turned out totally different, different environment. But I was so thankful for the environment that these two individuals gave me. Um, let me go to the next picture. And this, that's a little harder to see, but this was on my wedding day, and we all aged a little bit, you see. But um, I, I, would, I would not tra trade it for anything, but it just gave me some closure to know where I came from, the circumstances surrounding all that. So, We'll move a little more forward, and I am now uh, a father of two wonderful children and a have a beautiful wife. Um, and when I got married, I wanted to maybe see who, like, who looked like me, which is probably a horrible thing because nobody needs to look like me. But through my children, I, I tell Mary that she... Other people tell me otherwise, but I don't think either of them look like me. But I can see my mannerisms. I can, I can see kind of the way they think sometimes as it comes from me, which is, again, a scary thing. Um, but it's just an amazing thing to go through life having all these little pieces that you don't quite know, and then they come together, and then when you have your own family, it kind of comes back out again. It's kind of hard to explain. But I have been blessed with life, first and foremost. That, the woman who gave me life, I think, I said, thank you for not aborting me. Um, I did not have any ill feeling against her. I had love because... I was alive. I had amazing parents. I have a loving wife and two children who have professed their faith in Jesus Christ. So what else do you need, right? Um, and if you formed a relationship with Jesus, guess what? You've been adopted as well. And I want to go to that last. Uh, uh, I, 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 I remember reading this <clears throat> when I was younger and thought, this is cool. They've got the word adopted in the Bible. But Romans 8, 15 through 16 says, The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And to him we cry, Abba, Father. And when we do that, we're really saying, Daddy. And I still call my daddy, Daddy. My adopted daddy, who is my daddy. Uh, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. 
Do y'all realize that y'all have been adopted into God's family? And that we are joint heirs with Jesus Christ? He's my half-brother. I'm no way in deserving of that, but we are. And one day when we're all in heaven and are made whole, that's the family of God. And if you've never experienced that, I hope you will either today or very soon. And tell other people because they can be adopted too. And I take a little bit of pride in saying I've been adopted twice. But this is the best way. Um, if you have any interest in fostering or adopting, um, Wanda can point you in the right direction. But there are a lot of kids out there who need to know that they're loved and are shown Christian love. And I think that's something y'all can do if you have any interest or your friends do. And um, I'm 100% in favor of adoption. I thank you so much for letting me come today and share my story. I hope uh, it might have inspired you a little bit. Thank you. What a thought that we are joint heirs. When you're joint heirs with somebody, you're entitled to the things they're entitled to. We're joint heirs with Jesus Christ on the authority of God's word. Wanda and Lee, boy, y'all have stirred my heart. I've heard some, been a part of some amazing sanctity of human life services. As a student pastor, I used to fill up a bus from middle Georgia. We'd go to the March for Life back then and heard Mike Stone, one of the, he can preach the paint off the walls. But I'm going to tell you what I heard today is the sweetest presentation of the importance of the sanctity of human life I've ever heard. Thank y'all for letting the Lord speak through you. The most important thing is do you know Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life? There's nothing that we can do to merit that. The Bible says we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I've never had to preach a sermon to convince us we're sinners. I know I'm one. We all know that we mess up. What is sin? Anything that misses God's standard, and God's standard is perfection. So none of us are perfect. If we were, why in the world did Jesus die? People who think we can lose our salvation, that means you can earn it and it's all on us. You can keep it. No, 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 no. Jesus paid it all. All to him we owe. My sin left a scarlet stain, but he washed it whiter than snow. Washed my sins white as snow, adopted me into his family. The Bible says if we confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord. He's boss. He's number one. It's, you know, he's not my co-pilot. He's the pilot. He's number one. If we confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, you can be saved. Doesn't matter what color your skin is, what part of the country you were born in, what your last name is. Oh, I thought you wanted to share something. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. You too can become a part of the family of God. We invite you to do that today. You've been challenged to be involved. You've been challenged to pray. And a lot of times we see people on television and we see, you know, politicians and actors and we forget they're real people too. When Lee said he didn't know what happened in the first months of his life, we have dear friends named Sonny and Mary. They were Brother Sonny and Miss Mary. Went to church with us. Brother Sonny and Miss Mary had been in their home. Miss Mary would rather be in the nursery every Sunday rocking babies. Miss Mary fostered babies. When babies were born and had nowhere to go, Mary Purdue, the former first lady of the state of Georgia, took those babies in her home and she loved and nurtured those babies. 
You can make a difference. College students, I don't want, I don't want to talk too much, but I just want to say a short, you can make a difference. I'm a nobody. I'm a little old nobody from Cordell, Georgia. Yeah, you throw me off when you ask about Governor Miller when he was the lieutenant governor of Georgia. He was, he was a different man. God saved him after that, redeemed him. He was lieutenant governor of Georgia. I was blessed to intern under Governor Joe Frank Harris, a Democrat governor, one of the most pro-life governors we've had in my lifetime, by the way. It may shock you to hear that, but Governor Harris was very pro-life. And we had worked both sides, House, Senate, had all the votes to pass um, an amendment that children had to have parental notification to get an abortion, just like you can't give a child aspirin in school without parental notification. We had all the votes. But last night, if anything about Georgia politics, signy die the last night, we worked all the things, and Zell Miller single-handedly stood there installed until the clock ran out. Remember, I'm a nobody. I'm a college student. I'm terrified, okay? But having those little babies, get one of the babies, wanted to talk. I had that in my pocket, and I waited my turn, reporters and everybody, and here's this terrified little country boy from South Georgia. And I pulled out that baby, and I said, Mr. Lieutenant Governor, I just want to give this to you as a reminder of all the babies are going to die because of what you just did. And I walked away. He erupted. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution said he attacked a Georgia a lobbyist for Georgia Right to Life, which I wasn't. I'm just a college student like you guys are college students. Fast forward. Zell Miller had his first grandchild, if you know his story. He saw that sonogram. He realized he was wrong. Zell Miller repented, made Jesus the Lord and Savior of his life. I wrote Governor Miller as an adult. Um, said, you don't remember me. I'm a nobody from South Georgia. I, I relayed the whole situation, and I said, Thank you. You are a hero. You're someone I admire now. Thank you for what you did. Some of you I've shared it with. That's framed in my home. I have a handwritten letter from Governor Zell, Senator Zell Miller at the time who said, Mike, you will never know what that did to me. I still have that little baby. I still have it. And it haunted me all those years. He's a new creation in Christ. As you said, no condemnation for the past. That's what Jesus does. Maybe you've not been touched by abortion. Maybe you didn't affect things politically that led to abortion. We're all sinners and need a Savior. Amen. Would you bow and pray with me? Father, I'm so thankful for the beautiful, simple plan of salvation. That the sovereign God of the universe sent His only begotten Son, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God, to die for nobodies like me. Thank you that you came to save from the guttermost to the uttermost. Thank you that there are no big shots and little shots in the kingdom of God. I pray for anyone under the sound of my voice today or who may hear this later on on the World Wide Web who's unsure of their salvation. Thank you that you say it's so simple even a child can comprehend salvation. Lord, I pray that they would turn to you, admit the fact that we're all sinners, ask you to forgive them, ask you to take control of their life like you did mine and Lee's and Wanda's and Zell Miller's. Thank you for the promise that you'll make them a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Lord, in this time of invitation, if there's anyone who needs to talk about having a relationship with you, I pray, first of all, they talk to you. If they need to talk to someone, let one of us pray with them. God, I pray you would do that. Lord, if there's any other spiritual commitment that needs to be made today, may we all look deep within our own hearts and not walk out these doors until we know we've been fully obedient to you. In the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen.